today on the Locked On Blues podcast. Choosing between Scott Perunovich and Tori Krug is a decision I think the St. Louis Blues are going to eventually have to make. Maybe not this season, but at some point. I'm going to be giving not necessarily my picks, but making a case for each of the players. Plus, at the end of the episode, I'm going to be giving my take as to why I think the St. Louis Blues are a sneaky team that could potentially find themselves as a contender, depending on how the season goes. Should be a fun episode. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network and your number one source for Daily Blues content, I'm your host, Josh Hyman. As always, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. You can check me out on Twitter here at Josh Hyman NHL. I give all my hot takes and tweets on there as well. I've been doing this show for a while. Uh, Locked on Blues, obviously, if you're here, you know what it's called. Plenty of episodes in the backlog. We're getting close to 500, which is ridiculous. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing it. So like I said, if this is your first time, thanks for being here. If you're a returning listener, thanks for making Locked On Blues your first listen. Free and available on all podcast platforms, plus YouTube. If you're not on the YouTube channel, you're missing out. I uh, like to throw in a lot of interaction there in the comments, stuff like that. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. The start of the regular season is somewhat right around the corner. I believe a few days ago was 48 days until the regular season, uh, which means it was also 47 days to the regular season. And number 47 is Tori Krug, and number 48 is Scott Perunovich, so what better time than discuss these two players and the implications of having two very similar uh, style of players on the roster in the St. Louis Blues. Now here in this first second, I'm going to kind of give my thoughts on to, as to why I don't think the two of them can coexist on a roster, both getting significant minutes, and then in the second segment, I'm going to be talking about you know giving a case for each of the players why you'd want to keep Scott Prunovich, why you would want to keep Tori Krug. I'm not really going to be making a, a firm stance either way. I think both have pros and cons. Uh, it's kind of for you guys to decide in the comments and stuff, so definitely let me know there. And then in the third and final segment, I'm going to be giving like a quick rundown of why I think the Blues could be a sneaky contender this upcoming season. But first and foremost, let's answer the question. I've kind of talked about it before, but why can't you have Scott Prunovich and Tori Krug both getting significant amount of minutes if you want to be a successful team so let's just let's just get the the elephant out of the room in the room out of the way first undersized defensemen are an interesting uh commodity in the nhl you know we've seen a lot of success from certain undersized defensemen in the past tory krug has been a great player with the st louis blues he was a great player with the boston bruins scott prunovich shows a ton of potential you know undersized defensemen can work however it's, it's a bit of a niche position. It's a bit of a niche player to have on your roster because at the end of the day, the traditional uh, view of a defenseman is someone who's kind of big and physical. And even if they're good at offense, you still want them to be reliable in the defensive end. You want them to be able to win puck battles. You want them to be able to separate players from the puck on the opposing team. All that sort of thing. And when you have an undersized defenseman such as Tori Krug and Scott Perunovich, you're just inherently losing a bit of that defensive ability they could be the best defender in the world but if they're undersized they're just 
gonna have a harder time playing defense so you kind of have to shelter those guys a little bit you know and there's a reason why Tory crew gets as many minutes as he does while being undersized he is so good offensively he's such a good skater and he holds his own defensively you know he's kind of physical he's tenacious but you know they definitely the blues do a good job of pairing him with guys like justin falk who is a tremendous defensive defenseman as well as you know being an all-around two-way defenseman but you kind of have to par- partner them up with someone who can bear the weight of having an undersized defenseman um, alongside of them. And it just it's definitely a, something that uh, opponents can target. If you have an undersized defenseman out there, it's a lot easier for opponents to just go at that defenseman, send out like their big physical players, and, and just make, make it very difficult to uh, have success um, in the defensive side of things. But the one upside of most undersized defensemen in the NHL, specifically Scott Perunovic and Tori Krug, is their offensive ability. And that's what makes them so so interesting to have on your team because Tori Krug is one of my favorite players to watch. And growing up in Massachusetts, you know, being a, a not a Bruins fan, but a Bruins observer, he was always been one of my favorite players to watch. You know, I was always an undersized player growing up and I kind of had to work on you know, using other aspects of my game other than my size, because I could never have my size as a benefit. And Tori Krug, I think it's a perfect example of someone who takes the undersized nature of, of their game and, and turns it into something positive. You know, yeah, he's going to lose puck battles sometimes, but he can play physical, he can play tenacious, just look at the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals is a perfect example when he lit up Robert Thomas and took him out the rest of the series. You know, as as frustrating as that was for a Blues fan, that's what makes a guy like Tory Krug so valuable is because sometimes you can look at that guy and be like, oh, he's not going to hit me too hard or he's not going to separate me from the puck. But, you know, he's thick, he's big, he may be short, but he's got a lot of muscle to him and he can kind of catch you by surprise there. So, you know, Tory Krug is an incredible asset for the St. Louis Blues. He is one of the the biggest reasons why their power play has had success in the past season or two. Uh, he has been a great power play quarterback, and his presence was greatly missed in the offseason. Same with Scott Perunovic. You know, he's only played he only played 19 games last year, which is going to make this debate a little bit difficult, obviously. But in those games he played, when he was out there on the power play, he looked like a tremendous asset. He looked like another Tory Krug on the power play. 5v5 is something that he's going to kind of have to catch up to Tory Krug, but my point being you kind of have to deploy undersized defensemen in a very special way you know you gotta you gotta limit their 5v5 minutes a little bit and you gotta give them a ton of power play time and that just makes it unrealistic to have two undersized defensemen that you're playing a lot of minutes on the roster you know you can never play them together you can't play them on the same pairing but at the same time it would be a little bit of a, of a difficult hill to climb if you know let's say they had Tori Krug on the first pairing and Scott Prunovich on the second pairing that is something that opponents can exploit you know now 75% of the game because Tory Krug's getting 24 minutes a night and Scott Prunovich is getting 18. That's over half the game of having an undersized defenseman out there. And it's just something that isn't feasible. It's not realistic. It's not something that can last you throughout an entire regular season. You know, it makes it a little too difficult to have a, a solid defensive plan when you need to plan around having a smaller defenseman out there. Um, that being said, though, it can also be a blessing in disguise when it comes to the power play. You have a guy like Tori Krug on, as your power play quarterback for power play one and a guy like Scott Perunovich as your quarterback for power play two. But in terms of long-term plans, I think only one of them is going to be in the Blues long-term plans. Uh, and in this upcoming second segment, I'm going to be 
laying out the case for each player, going through some of their stats, some of their advanced stats, all that fun stuff, and then kind of letting you guys decide. Because personally, I don't really know. If I was Doug Armstrong, I don't really know which direction I would take, you know? So it's going to be an interesting debate. I look forward to digging into some of the more uh, advanced numbers and stuff. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to tell you guys about today's sponsor, and that is NHTSA. They're a new sponsor. Now listen, are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that could happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Well, that's where you're wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. Not only do you put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Stop kidding yourself. It is never okay to drive high in any circumstance. If you've been using marijuana in any form at any point, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different drive high and get a DUI. Seriously, guys, it's it's something that's very, very important. I hope you take those words to heart. Uh, it's not worth hurting someone, hurting yourself. So anyways, that being said, I'm going to take a short break and then we'll head into the second segment of today's episode. Okay, so Tori Krug versus Scott Perunovich. Let's look at this, the, the basic stats. Tory Krug is a defenseman. Wow, big surprise. He is 31 years old. He is a left-handed defenseman. He is 5'9", 194 pounds, a lot of time in the league, whatever. Scott Perunovich, on the other hand, was a rookie last year. He might still technically qualify to be a rookie this year. I'm not sure how that works considering he only played 19 games, but he is only 24 years old, also a left-handed defenseman. 5'10", so a little bit taller than Tory Krug, but only 175 pounds. That's something that I think he can... He'll, he'll probably bulk up. I'd be interested to see where he's at now, you know, heading into training camp. Um, because like I said, you kind of have to have a lot of weight to you if you're going to be a successful under undersized defenseman in terms of, um, you know, having success in the defensive end. Um, but looking at their last year's stats, Tori Krug played 64 games, had nine goals and 34 assists for 43 points. Um, had three power play goals and 19 total power play points. So 19 of his 43 points, a little bit less than 50%, um, were on the power play. Also had himself a shorthanded goal. That's great. He was a plus 23, 48 penalty minutes, 53 hits, which is really impressive. You know, a little less than a hit per game, but still uh, 70 block shots. So he is a great shot blocker, uh, 32 giveaways and 16 takeaways. So a two to one giveaway to takeaway ratio, not great. But still a very, very solid defenseman overall. A great point-producing defenseman. Good shot blocker, all that stuff. Now, Scott Perunovich, it's a little bit more difficult to evaluate his stats considering he did only play in 19 games last season. But in those 19 games, he did not score a goal. But he had six assists, totaling six points, obviously, for a .32 points per game compared to Tory Krug's .67. Um, he did not have a single goal at even strength, obviously. Three of his points were at even strength, and three of his points were on the power play. Again, small sample size, so it's not as much of a, a valid comparison to Tory Krug. But he did have 50% of his points on the power play, um, right around where Tory Krug was at. And I'm assuming if Perunovic played more games and played more time at 5v5, it would be more similar to Tory Krug. Uh, only 14 shots on goal. He was a plus two, eight penalty minutes, five hits in his 19 games. So he doesn't hit quite as much as Tory Krug. Uh, 12 block shots. Again, doesn't block quite as many shots as Tory Krug. But the one thing that definitely jumps out to me is he only had seven giveaways compared to his six takeaways. So he played about a third as many games as Tory Krug, but he had almost half as many takeaways. So 
um, physicality-wise and shot-blocking-wise, Tori Krug definitely has the edge, but it seems like already Scott Perunovic has a little bit more of an advantage when it comes to um, turnovers versus takeaways ratio. You know, he almost has a one-to-one giveaway-to-takeaway ratio, which is very valuable. You know, you want, especially an undersized defenseman, much, but pretty much anyone on your team, you want them to be taking the puck away almost as much as they're giving it away. Uh, so that's surprising, to, or not surprising, but it's pleasantly surprising to see out of Scott Perunovic. Um, again, limited sample size, so take those stats with a grain of salt. Um, going into their extended stats, uh, Tory Krug averages two points per 60 minutes compared to Scott Prunovich's Prunovich is 1.2. Uh, Tory Krug, 6.3 power play points per 60 compared to Scott Prunovich's 4.7. Uh, 1.8 shots on goal per game for Tory Krug compared to Prunovich's 0.7. I'm not going to read off all the stats. That's kind of boring, but the, the, the numbers make it pretty obvious that as of right now, statistically, Tori Krug is a more productive player than Scott Perunovic. There are some stats here and there that show that maybe Perunovic has a bit of a leg up on Tori Krug, but as of right now, Tori Krug is the better player. That's that's no secret. Tori Krug is a veteran in the NHL. He's played a ton of games. You know, he's he's played deep into playoff runs with the Boston Bruins and Unfortunately, not with the St. Louis Blues last year because he was hurt, but he, he's a guy that's been around the block. He knows what it takes to be a solid NHL player, and it's very difficult to stick around the league when you're an undersized defenseman. So the fact that he's done it means that he's a good player. There's no secret that Tory Krug is one of the best defensemen on the St. Louis Blues. Um, now, the, the argument really comes in with age. Is Tory Krug is 31, Scott Prunovich is 24. Do we think that there's a point where Scott Prunovich may surpass Tory Krug in terms of ability and I don't mean like will he be better than Tory Krug ever was but it's a matter of as Tory Krug continues to decline and at him being 31 and being undersized and relying a lot on his speed and his you know athleticism means that he's inevitably going to start to decline if not this season then maybe next season is there a point where Tory Krug's decline and Scott Perunovich's uh, ascension will will pass you know is there a point where Tory Krug will regress to the point where Scott Prudovich is a better player than him you know throughout these next four five years personally I think that answer is yes and that's less to speak about Scott Prudovich and more so about Tory Krug just with a natural decline of defensemen and NHL players in general I think Tory Krug is going to be you know a, a, a bottom two pairing defensemen sooner rather than later you know I think he could be a guy that has a bit of a rough decline as he gets older um, and I think Scott Brunovich is a really promising talent for the St. Louis Blues I think he is going to continue to grow continue to ascend and continue to be a really solid player um, for the St. Louis Blues and because of that I think there definitely will be a point where Scott Brunovich is a better player than Tory Krug at the current moment in time as of last season, that was very much not the case, but Prunovich was a rookie. You know, he only played 19 games. Now, the other stat that really jumps out to me um, is Corsi, and I don't I don't like talking about advanced stats too much on this podcast because they're kind of hard to understand, especially when there's no visual aid for you guys to look at. But what Corsi basically means is when a player is on the ice, how much offense are they generating? So if a player has a 55% Corsi, that means when that player is on the ice, the St. Louis Blues are the attacking team 55% of the time. Now there's a graph here that I'm looking at um, that says that has Tory Krug's Corsi for last season listed at 48.8, which is slightly below average. That means a little more than or a little less than 50% of the time. Um, Tory Krug is is on the ice when the Blues are basically, you know, 
being defensive, um, the other team has the puck, whatever. Scott Brunovich has a 50.6% quarterly, and that number may seem very, very, very minuscule, but what that means is when Scott Prunovich is on the ice, a majority of the time, the St. Louis Blues are the attacking team. The same cannot be said about Tory Krug. Again, the stats are very much skewed, especially considering um, 82% of Scott Prunovich's starts. So when when Scott Prunovich is out there um, for a faceoff or whatever, 82% of Scott Prunovich's playtime started in the offensive zone. So they're very sh- they shelter Scott Prunovich a lot versus Tory Krug. Um, only had 64% of his starts in the offensive zone. So it may be a little bit skewed considering the fact that uh, Perunovic started a lot of his minutes in the offensive zone, which means he was more likely to have, you know, continued pressure from um, the rest of his linemates. But the fact still stands that in the small sample size, Scott Perunovic is a slightly uh, more viable option when it comes to offensive pressure. And that's something that jumps out to me because if this season, if Scott Perunovich plays more than 19 games and starts to get, you know, a little bit of starts in the defensive zone, I'd be curious to see what that number goes to. But I think that is a very telling sign that Perunovich has the potential to become a very valuable player for the St. Louis Blues um, and, you know, be a guy that they can rely on outside of just a power play quarterback role. It's just a matter of getting him comfortable at 5v5 play. You know, he spent a majority of his time uh, on the power play. You know, he, he wasn't spending a ton of time at 5v5, and when he was, he was very, very sheltered. You know, his quality of competition is uh, in the negatives versus Tory Krug's is uh, slightly higher. So it kind of balances out in, the, in that sense. You know, Krug was playing against better opponents versus Prunovich was only really playing on the power play, and then at 5v5, he was playing against, like, third or fourth line. So I think in that sense, they're very they're, they're a little bit more even than in a lot of the other uh, aspects, but... As of right now, you know, next season, who would I rather see on the first or second pairing? The answer is Tory Krug. But in the long run, I think it's a it depends on what the Blues' window is. You know, you hear this conversation all the time of the window being open, the window being closed. If the window is long, then the answer is Scott Perunovich. If the window is short, then the answer is Tory Krug. And it really comes down to where would you rather have, you know, a positive impact? Would you rather have a good defenseman now or a potentially better defenseman later? And that's a question that, you know, we're going to be answered as this regular season goes on. We'll see how Scott Perunovich is deployed. We'll see how Tori Krug is deployed. We'll see how both of them look. We'll see how, you know, a lot of things that, you know, can't really be answered until the season starts and we witness, you know, um, the Blues play. That being said, in this upcoming third and final segment, I'm going to give a brief brief explanation on why I think the Blues have a chance to be a contender this year. Try not to repeat myself because I've been making a lot of the same points over the last few weeks, but make sure you stay tuned for that. Be right back. All right, third and final segment. Um, Why I think the St. Louis Blues have a chance to be a contending team in the NHL. Now, a lot of people are very down on the Blues this upcoming season. You know, they they lost David Perron, um, and Thomas Grice is their backup goalie. They don't have Billy Huso as a safety net for Jordan Bennington before. And if you've listened to any episode over the last month or so since the offseason started, you've probably heard me say what I'm about to say already, and I apologize for that. It's just difficult to come up with content in the offseason. But I think it's a relevant point to remember the fact that the St. Louis Blues were one of only two teams to beat the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche in the playoffs. Now, yeah, they only played four teams, whatever. I think people's outlook on the Blues is skewed because of a few things. I think because they 
got pretty much dominated by the Colorado Avalanche when they closed the series out. And because of how the roster just doesn't look as strong on paper as it has in previous years. But you're forgetting that this is a team that has a very similar roster not very similar, but a somewhat similar roster as the one that won the Stanley Cup. You know, a lot of that core is still in place. Um, it's it's the roster that took the Colorado Avalanche to six games, a feat that not many teams could do. And I don't think there are many teams in the NHL that could take the Colorado Avalanche to six games if matched up with them. Um, and it's also a team that had nine twenty goal scorers last year. Yes, you lost one of them in David Perron, and yes, some of them might not be repeatable in Ivan Barbashev, but at the end of the day, the St. Louis Blues have one of the most potent offenses in the NHL, and that is something that you cannot recreate, and that is something that not many teams can say. You know, besides like the top, top tier teams, you know, if you go down to that next tier where I think the St. Louis Blues are, you know, besides like Colorado, um, Tampa, and a few of the other big names, I think the Blues have maybe the most potent offense in the NHL. Now, obviously, defensively is a question mark, um, but I still think the top four of def- defensemen for the St. Louis Blues are above average. Are they elite? Are they top tier? No, but would a lot of teams, a lot of bottom feeder teams be happy with the, the top four defensemen that the St. Louis Blues have? Absolutely. And then the other thing is Jordan Bennington is capable of being an all-star goaltender. He has made an all-star team in the past. He has won a Stanley Cup in the past. And in the playoffs last year against Colorado and, you know, previously, he was looking pretty solid. So if everything goes right, which huge if, huge if, but if everyone plays up to their potential, you know, the, the team stays healthy, which we all know that'll never happen, but whatever. The team plays up to its potential. If guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo continue to grow, the St. Louis Blues are going to be a really good team. You know, it's not doom and gloom. Could they miss the playoffs if Jordan Bennington really struggles and, and Thomas Grice is forced to take on a big workload? Absolutely. But I choose to be optimistic. I choose to think that the Jordan Bennington that we saw before he was injured in the playoffs is the Jordan Bennington we will see in the regular season. I have high hopes for the t- this team next year. Obviously, Colorado is a huge, huge uh, um, mountain to, to climb over, literally, you know, the Colorado Avalanche. Haha, their logo is a mountain. Get it? Um, but seriously, uh, if, if the Colorado Avalanche weren't in the Blues division, I think the St. Louis Blues would be looked at as a much more formidable threat. It's just a matter of inevitably they're going to run into Colorado in the first or second round of the playoff, depending on how seeding works out. But, you know, I think if the Colorado Avalanche weren't in the picture, not weren't in the picture, but like if they were in another division or whatever, people would have more respect for the St. Louis Blues. I mean, look at that. I'm wearing the hat. They won the Stanley Cup just a few seasons ago. They should be respected. And I think the whole dark horse element is going to do a lot for the confidence. I think one thing that was really tough for the St. Louis Blues was the expectations after winning the Stanley Cup. And it definitely feels like motivation and and, and other things like that were a factor, like worry about living up to those post Stanley Cup expectations. But the fact that I think people have kind of forgotten about the St. Louis Blues a little bit means they're going to come out hungry. They're going to come out on fire. I'm really looking forward to this next upcoming season. And I'm really looking forward to talking about it here on the Lockdown Blues podcast. That being said, that is all the time I have for you today. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on. Make sure you follow Lockdown Blues on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Lockdown Blues. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.